It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. In basketball, nothing matters more than a bucket, and that's exactly what Virginia Jackson is. Welcome back to the Saturday edition of Lost Women's Basketball, the internet's only women's basketball draft-focused podcast. Today, we're profiling Rakia Jackson out of Tennessee, a six-foot-two forward and potential top-five draft pick in this year's WNBA draft. Lost Women's Basketball starts now. Welcome to Wallet for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Welcome. You are Lothar Women's Basketball. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. My name is Sunder Cruz. I'm your Saturday host covering the WNBA draft in college basketball. I'm joined by my co-host M. Adler and Lincoln Schaefer. M. covers the WNBA with focus on player development and the game within the game. Lincoln is our biomechanics guru and contributes to our WNBA draft coverage at the next. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 $200 in bonus bets if your best bet of $5 or more wins. Visit fandle.com slash locked on to get started. So we talked about Jackson earlier this season after her impressive performance against Team USA in a scrimmage. So I want to revisit this conversation a little bit to open this, this episode. For you, M, I know this was a big game for you when looking at Rakia Jackson's prospects. What exactly did she do against Team USA that really opened your eyes to what she could be at the next level? I mean, as you alluded to in the beginning, just getting buckets, really. The thing with her as a prospect is it sort of starts and ends with the scoring. And I mean that both in a complimentary way and in a sort of, you know, not so great way. Because what we've seen for years is her ability to get a bucket is excellent. You know, she can create out of ISO. She can pretty much create against anyone. And she can get, I don't know if I'd say where she wants to, but she can get to somewhere that she's comfortable and really hit a bucket, whether that's, you know, on the second play of the game, or that's uh, in the clutch to for a go-ahead bucket. And, you know, she has really a lot of physical tools that allow her to get there. And I think when it comes to having that primary skill, but not having a lot of ancillary skills to complement that, to play it up, to have a function, you know, when maybe the shot's not falling and you have to play off the ball, you know, what do you have to do there to still provide a positive impact? The thing about the USA game was it sort of answered those questions in the way of, hey, what if it just does, like doesn't matter? Because, you know, she's just Ka and Ryan and uh, I think Leash. I forgot the other wing defender. We're just kind of draped all over her. And she was still hitting some buckets. She was still, you know, she, she took over basically an entire quarter when she needed to. And, you know, for me, it was okay. The athleticism, uh, it sort of confirmed that level of it. And it was also on very little, um, on very little prep. With the with a head coach who was going to be fired, with you know 
not a whole lot of reps with a very sort of a team that had been incorporating some new transfers. She's still able to get what she what she sort of needed to do to be very productive against you know the best defenders in the world at her position. Yeah, you guys, I've I've kind of been framing her uh, position in terms of a negative defensively. Like, is she big enough to guard fours, or is she quick enough to guard threes? But what if it's the other way around? What if fours aren't quick enough to guard her, and threes aren't big enough to guard her? And what if she's just? It it could be both. Yeah. So that's it's it's an interesting way to frame that, huh? Yeah, I mean, I don't think she's. I, I mean, I just I don't think she's too small to guard fours. Like she's six foot two. Yeah. She's got a strong build. You know, we've seen her bang it down low in the post against otherwise good post defenders for a few years now. It's it is less a question of is there a physical ability and more of like is there a technical ability? Is there the coordination? Is there really the want to and the um, and just the instincts and know how. I also think it's important to mention that the stats might look a little wonky this year, partially because she's been dealing with an injury that's kept her off the court for a good seven, eight games, and that her um, like best season in terms of efficiency putting the ball in the basket was last season, her first at Tennessee, mm-hmm. by a, a significant margin. And even in terms of the injury, you know, I think even since coming back from it, she still looked like she's maybe a half step behind where you sort of expect her to be when she's fully healthy. She's not, not that she's necessarily a great finisher overall, but still the ability to finish and the ability to, you know, get that hang time is, I don't think where it usually is when she's able to reign. You guys know what Rakia is shooting in the mid range this year. I know she shot I know she shot very well from the mid-range last year. She's shooting 18, 18.4% in the mid-range this year. What did she shoot in the mid-range last year? 37%. She's nine of last year. It's a pretty wild difference. Okay, then. Do you guys have any worries about the shot profile in general, though, with how that translates to the next level? Because I know overall, from a shooting standpoint, the mechanics look okay sometimes, but overall, she's shooting 34.5% on catch-and-shoot jumpers, which is, it's all right. It's kind I of mean, weird. it's all right if they're threes, but they're not. That, that, that is that, that is what it is. It's 34.5% on catch-and-shoot threes this year. Wow, that's uh, way up from what it was like two weeks ago. I mean, not, still, for, not, still for her career, yeah. it's not great, and that's, and, and, and that's the issue there, right? Because she's not quite a Stephanie Suarez level of theoretical shooter, but she is someone who... I think the I think the popular impression of her as a floor spacer is something that she's not, which she's very capable of hitting from deep. She is not someone who consistently hits from deep, and she's not someone who defenses really care about beating them from three. And I think that is, you know, the issue in terms of how the accuracy translates to the next level is what, you know, she just does for court gravity, which is not that much off the ball. And it's not, again, it's not entirely... Um, her fault is not like she's not letting them fly, but it is, you know, defenses aren't going to respect that when it's not, um, higher. And I think, um, as far as your point about shooting from the mid range, that, uh, importantly is the, the non paint, the non paint too. She is still, and always has been an excellent, uh, shooter from within the paint, whether that's at the rim or, you know, on, on the 15 footers and I mean, to that, to that end, you know, she does actually, she, she does take quiet 
quite a lot of her shots um, within the paint, even if she takes more shots from outside the paint, but inside the arc than you want. So I do want to, I'm not saying your number is misleading, but it is sort of, you know, that, that does not tell the whole story, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of the shot profile, you know, I would, I would be more nervous if again, she wasn't able to do what she did against Team USA. But, you know, at this point, it's, for me, it's less about, do I worry about it translating and more do I worry about the upside with it? Because just not only what does it look like if the shot profile changes, but just how much work has to go into that for someone, especially when, you know, it seems like they are real instincts and it seems like their, you know, drive and pre pretty much always has been to get to the shots she's taking. And it would take a massive overhaul to, you know, get her a little bit closer to the rim or closer to the paint on those non-paint twos, get those long twos and turn them into threes. And, you know, I don't, I don't even know if you'd want to turn a lot of those long twos into threes. It's just a little tricky in that sense. And I think there are a hell of a lot more questions than there are theoretical answers. And, you know, again, it's, for me, it's less about being worried about the shot profile and more about just kind of taking it as it is and understanding what that does for the ceiling. Yeah, I'm not terribly concerned about the amount of threes. She had her most efficient season while shooting the least threes of her career. To me, it's it's more about the rim rate and the uh, amount of free throws that she's getting. Because when she's getting to the rim and when she's getting to the line, uh, that's when she's at her best as a scorer. And that's something that uh, you want to see a little more often is just getting to the rim and getting to the free throw line. Yeah, before we continue with our con our breakdown on Rakia Jackson, talk about the defensive side of things, here's a word from our sponsor, FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all of those who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl, who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOnNBA to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make sure moment more with FanDuel, an official sponsor, sportsbook sponsor of the NFL. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Under Cruz. And before we get back into our conversation on Rakia Jackson, I want to inform you that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering each league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. So, on the defensive end is where there's a lot more questions for Rakia. So, for you, Lincoln, when you look at her defensive profile, how do you feel about her defense? I know you mentioned earlier that there's some questions on who she's guarding. So, let's talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a question for me. Um, 
she's long. She's a very fluid athlete. Uh, she's toolsy, and I just have questions about, um, like Em said, the, the technical ability on the defensive end. And she's shown herself to be a good rebounder, which is certainly a skill that adds to your defense. Um, but I I uh, have some questions about her help instincts and um, several other uh, important things for someone who's going to nominally be playing as a, a big wing in the WNBA to um, play defense in the paint a little bit. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's pretty similar. Um, I think I might actually even be a little more... What's the word? I might even be a little more um, fatalistic in, in terms of my language than Lincoln. Um, definitely more dramatic. I think when she was at Mississippi State, and especially the years after Vic left, when she was, you know, used in a more sort of big wing, outside in way than we'd seen um, at her best at Tennessee. When we saw her like that, you know, and she played a similar role on the offensive and defensive, and you know, she had really excellent um, athletic tools for her size. She just really good footwork in the post. She's had all years her just really, really good ability to stick with drivers at that size, genuinely impressive. But I think the issue is the ability to read the game, have a feel for the defensive end of the game, and, you know, move along with that in sort of a natural way just isn't fair. And, I, you know, we talked about this um, sort of, I think, with the AI episode. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't know if you can ever really project someone who clearly doesn't have a good feel for one end of the game and you know, even when they are looking a little better, it's still a little choppy. I don't know if you can ever project them to be able to become a particularly smooth operator on that end. And so I, you know, I think in that sense, obviously the defensive upside is just limited by itself. And then on top of that, it's just a weird mixture of things she is and isn't good at. You know, like she's good. she She's really good at being able to provide, you know, um, paint help defense. She's a pretty good post defender, but she also isn't really a, really doesn't have the verticality to be a secondary rim protector. So I don't know how you square the circle there. No, she's pretty good at chasing ground wings and chasing, uh, you know, through screens for someone who would be playing the four. But, you know, also the angles and the navigation mean that, like, you know, if she's guarding, like, a two or a three outside there or she's guarding, you know, someone who, if, like, let's say Atlanta finally wises up and plays Ryan Howard at the four, you know, that's not a matchup you'd want her to be trying to chase through. So, you know, I don't really know how you do square that again and even when she you know just has someone in space who has a bit of a handle to them it on it often seems like she just lacks you know give a shit at perimeter point of attack defense and you know that's fixable that part of it but it just speaks to a general lack of ability that feeds into a lack of improvement and i just don't know where you fit that in to be fair, there's very few fours in the WNBA that I really want guarding Ryan Howard. Right, but but I mean, just in terms of you know, if you if you're going to be a more perimeter perimeter oriented player at her at Rakia's sorry perimeter oriented defender at Rakia's offensive position, then you run into issues when you when you try to you know do that more often if you're making that your full time thing. And what are the worries about um, just the blocks in general? I know blocks are uh, – it's a stat that can be misleading at times, but the zero blocks numbers can really – it's really indicator of just – she's just not in the position to get 
contest it sometimes. It's just like she's just not there. Yeah, there just aren't players who are prospects, who are frontcourt prospects that get, I mean, literally zero blocks this season, which like, you know, some players just, you know, can be good defenders without getting a whole lot of stocks. Nika Mule, for example, again, elite point of attack defender, um, doesn't get really any blocks, occasionally gets steals, but gets way less than you'd expect, but she's still an elite point of attack defender. And, you know, that sparks another conversation on the relative value of stocks versus solid defense that doesn't, you know, have the trade-offs. And that's something for another episode. But I think in terms of Rakia, that just sort of speaks to what I was saying about, you know, she is a good paint health defender. She's solid guarding against post-ups, but she doesn't have the verticality to actually can consistently provide a level of rim protection, whether that is primary or secondary. And so I think that's how you get some of that, the non-event creation on defense. And after the break, we'll get into team fits. Where do we project Rakia in, in this class and more? Price picks is the most fun I've had winning up to 25 times my money this basketball season. You can select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. You can also pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at 10.5 combos of three-pointers made plus receptions. PrizePix offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, PrizePix discounts select player projections up to 25 times to provide even more value. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA with code LockedOnNBA. PrizePix, daily fantasy sports made easy. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, to start off this our third segment of this episode, I want to pose more of like a philosophical question, and this is something we've talked about off air. Um, with Rakia's skill set, overall, is this a type of player that you want to have starting at the four for you? And if you don't view, view this as your starting four, do you think her ceiling or her best outcome to provide value at the next level is as like a sixth woman off the bench and someone that can just get buckets off the bench? Is that really where you view her game translated? Right. I mean, this is th- this gets into, you know, when we were doing the historical series after after that last ad break, we go into the grade and that's sort of what you're asking here. Right. I think for me, I, it's it's really hard for me to see her as a starter on a good team. I mean, it's very easy for me to see her, I think, as a startable player on a not good team. So, I mean, for that reason, you know, that just hones into a 45 grade. Um, I don't really have an issue with that. I would probably argue against going higher. I probably wouldn't argue against going a half grade lower. It's the shot profile, the really the ability or the lack of ability to be much of a value-added passer or even, you know, she's a fine passer. I don't even know if she's average for a quote-unquote big wing. Um, But I think in that sense, 
you know, you run into difficulties with the lack of help, the lack of connected passing, and the lack of efficient shot profile that really doesn't play up, you know, how teammates are. It also makes it difficult to scale there. And I think that's where you run into issues putting her in a sort of like, yes, projected impact starter level grade. Yeah, the that word, the scalability is a slight problem because she has one primary way that she adds value to a team. And if the team is not in a situation that really needs that, then you're uh, not going to have much ways, much ways for her to much of a way for her to fit into a lineup. Um, so I think that the, the best way to find a fit for her is to find a, a big that can make up for some of the defensive deficiencies and hopefully a big that can, shoot a little bit so she has space to operate in the mid post where she's at her best. In in this draft, how do you think she would fit alongside someone like Cameron Brink? Because I know LA has a lot of picks in this class. Do you view that as a fit necessarily? Because Brink is a good shooter for position for her position, but the volume isn't necessarily where you want it to be at yet. That sounds Man. fascinating to me. <laughs> I mean, I think that is sort of varies based on what you want Brink to be playing at the next level. You know, I think we all expect her to be playing both the four and the five. I think we would all also agree that if the W was where the men's NBA isn't just in terms of the positional revolutions, in terms of the sort of spacing, in terms of the schematics and the body types that, you know, the women's basketball is getting to. Um, but I think if we were there, you know, Cam Brink would just be a full-time center, no if ands or buts about it. So I think it really depends on where you want Cam there. You know, I would prefer her to be, you know, your sort of full-time center alongside probably an inside-out four. And that works sort of fine with Rakia, except, you know, Rakia, if you think Cam isn't, you know, a full-time defensive standout five, then Rakia is not really helping out with that deficiency. That's probably not great. Um, do I think they'll probably end up together? I would not be surprised in the slightest, you know, if that's where they end up playing near each other. Um, but you know, again, um, I might actually disagree with Lincoln about how much space Rakia needs in that mid-post game. You know, I think yeah. as long as the other big is good at moving, you know, from block to block and at least just not running Rakia into another double, it's not like Rakia gets to the rim. She doesn't need that much space to operate. It's at least a plus with her. What about the Washington Mystics alongside Shakira Austin? How does that sound? I like the fit of anyone alongside Shakira Austin because she's so <laughs> versatile. She's so good at everything that you want a modern center to be. Um, they do kind of tend to uh, operate in the same areas around the elbows and in the mid post, but that's that's something that is an interesting fit to think about. I was Shakira thinking, Austin might also be like the best center at moving without the ball in the game. Yeah, that's a great point. I was also thinking um, with the – uh, development of her shot coming along. What if you put her next to Ezzy Magbergor? Uh, Seattle doesn't have a first round pick. That's a great point. I <laughs> forgot about that. They just Seattle has it, like, 14. If you thought of 14, I'd be shocked. Yes, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, and uh, that's why we were talking about her being next to Cam Brink. Um, the, yep. Yeah, yep, yeah. I, right. I mean, I think in terms of um, not n being next to Kira, I, I think in that sense, it's not just being next to Shakira Austin. It's also being next to Brittany Sykes and Ariel Atkins, you know, two of the, like, you know, Brittany Sykes is probably like what the best guard help defender in league history. 
Ariel Atkins is a plus help guard defender in her own right. And, you know, the thing that the Mystics have struggled with for years, even sort of when Atlanta Deladon was on the court, that was, it, the need was more in a secondary role. Just get in the bucket, man. I mean, Shakira Austin's probably going to take another step forward next year after the rehab of that hip injury. But I think it's fair to say, you know, if there's, there's a bunch of things that lineup is lacking, obviously, but outside the point guard position, you know, I think, if you're looking to at least fill out a solid, if bad roster, you know, what you're missing is a bucket getter. And I think that would at least fit pretty well into a possible closing lineup at some point in time. Uh, yeah. I mean, also looking at the draft order, Phoenix would make some level of sense, right? I'm, I'm interested in what you guys think there, but also we know that, you know, Dallas at five, Dallas liked her last year. Dallas probably would have tried to draft her at some point last year if she had not returned to school. They don't um, need more front court players. I was about I was about to say, you know, it wouldn't work at all in terms of splitting the minutes with Batty Seegers, but it's not like positional redundancy has ever stopped them before. So I'm interested in what you guys think about, especially Phoenix, but also Dallas. Because it, it's hard for me to see her slipping past maybe six. Seven's possible, yeah. but very unlikely. Phoenix was one of the teams that I had on my on my short list here. Um given their trade that they made today, she's probably not starting right away. Uh if you have a front court combination of Beck Allen and Sophie Cunningham and any of Bree Turner or Brittany Griner, that's that's four players that are probably going to start at the three, four, five in some combination. Uh, but that could put Rikia in a really interesting position to just go get a bucket and run second units with maybe Shug Sutton, maybe Brianna Turner. That could be an interesting trio to uh, watch develop this year. In- incredible combo of complete and utter redundancy with, with her and Michaela Onyanwari. <laughs> I, I, the thing about Phoenix for me is I just don't know if they're going to have a pick. I don't know if they're going to trade it. I'll say they do for now, but they also, you know, we'll see what the, because as of recording, we don't know what Beck Allen's contract with them looks like. But again, we'll see at, we will see what that money means in terms of whether they have to make a move to open up even more cap space to, comfortably re-sign BG. I don't expect that to be a necessity, but if they do, that's a pick you can attach to one of your uh, more veteran contracts if you need to move money off the books. Yeah, so overall, where do you guys have Rakia on your board at the moment? I'll let Lincoln go first. That's a, that's a good question. I haven't uh, <laughs> updated my board um recently but it's probably going to be uh somewhere in the back half of the first round for me uh there's she has a very defined skill set but she's very good at that very defined skill set um and there's that's definitely the most valuable skill in the game but it's just i wish there was a secondary skill whether it was passing or rim protection just something else there but she's a very good basketball player yeah, having moved, you know, some players we expect to, we're pretty strongly expecting to return to college next year. I have her key at number eight, but again, that's not including your Paige Beckers. That's not including Tina Papa, who would both be above her. I don't, I don't know if there's anyone else that at this moment in time we think are going back to school who would rank above Rakia. But you know, those are the two caveats. Um, yeah, I have her eight. I have her behind um, Charlotte Sledger Walker. I have her behind Camila Cardoso, J.C. Sheldon, right above Carla Vette, Georgia Amor. Nadia Poch. And I think uh, it's a very hard to move off that spot for me. You know, there's very little reason to move her up above, you know, if, if maybe Charlie Sledger Walker is a bad rehab from her injury, 
And, um, you know, that's one possibility. But otherwise, I think in the long term, in terms of long term value, in terms of positional scarcity and value, Charlie's just, just bringing so much to the table as such a positive playmaker. In this league, it's hard to, it's really hard to devalue that, I think, any farther. Yeah, I've, I've got Ricky in that 10 to 12 range for me if everyone is in this class. She could probably climb to like eight, like you said, depending on who enters, who returns. But I'm interested to see how her development continues the rest of this year. Yeah, and I would definitely said. bet on her going higher than all of us have her. And I'm oh, for sure. sure. Yeah, I'm sure you guys would agree. But yeah, that's, that's just neither here we, nor there. Because we have a few internationals in like our top group as well. So mm -hmm. they're not going to be a little bit lower in terms of value but yeah and because of how yeah I was saying, sorry be, be, because of how team control influences who you want to draft mm -hmm. Charlize this draft position is going to take a little bit of a wacky turn with the ACL tear as well right thanks for making Nottingham's basketball your first listen every day join the team at the next back next week for continued coverage of women's college basketball and the draft make your second listen locked on sports today the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel on YouTube have a great rest of your weekend everyone Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.